Well, welcome. Let's give them a welcome. Yes. It's great to have you with us. So uh, Kelly Beams is one of the regional managers with Schools Ministry Group, and uh, in particular is our regional manager in our local area, and we're going to talk a bit more about that in a moment. And Gail is very, very familiar to all of us, but she's here today in her capacity as someone who is heavily involved in uh, the school seminars that happen in our local schools. Uh, particularly the Christian Option programs as well as the Easter and Christmas seminars and we're going to dig into that a little bit more. Today uh, is the start of a couple of weeks where we're going to spend some time talking about what happens outside of the walls of our church. So uh, this is something we started doing a little while ago and then COVID came and derailed things a little bit Uh, but we have taken some time in May uh, on a number of years to be able to say what's happening locally what's happening nationally, and what's happening globally. And so today we're going to focus on schools ministry as a local expression of that. Next week, uh, we're going to talk about reconciliation uh, as we head into National Reconciliation Week. And then the week after that, we're going to have Val Zerner from Global Mission Partners come and share about some of the things that are happening globally and our partnership there as well. So it's a great reminder about the reality that God is at work not just in this building, but in all of the different places around us. And uh, our hope is that this is a real encouragement for us about the partnerships that we've got that are making a tangible difference in people's lives. So welcome. It's great to have you both with us. So, Kel, let's start with you. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about Schools Ministry Group, a little bit more about your role, and, uh, yeah, a little bit more about pastoral care workers. So good. Thank you so much for having me. I like how you said that COVID derailed things just a little Uh bit. Just a little. Just a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) It certainly did. So thank you so much. It's so great to be here. I've been back with Schools Ministry Group um, for just nine months uh, now, and I was involved with SMG a good 15 years ago in the capacity as a pastoral care worker, so now coming on board again uh, down the track as a regional manager, which sounds very official. (laughs) I do have an official little badge, which my children are very impressed with. I try and impress them in lots of ways, but (laughs) apparently the little badge I have is one of the most impressive uh, items that I own. The kids were very excited about that. And can I just say what I loved and what I was so excited about in coming back into schools ministry group is the growth that has happened. To be honest with you, being away from SMG for you know a good 12 or so years, I actually expected that in the political climate that we are in, that this would be an area that would have gone backwards. How unfaithful I was. <laughs> Uh, I've stepped back in and I've seen that it is such an area of growth, which is really exciting. So 31 years ago is when SMG started and the history is just incredible. It's the history, the story of local church communities joining together to say, let's do this together. Let's support, let's resource this, let's join together and see chaplains, see Christian people go into our schools to be you know, a, a pastor to pastor our community, which is just, that's exciting. I love the local church. I'm so excited about the local church. And at its grassroots, SMG is about bringing the local church and that connection and uh, building that bridge between the church um, and the school community and seeing those opportunities. So 31 years on, we now have chaplains in uh, over 300 schools. Um, There's around about 250 chaplains and some of them have dual roles. Uh, So, yeah, about 50 or so chaplains are are working in two schools. So it's so exciting to see the growth. That's half of our public schools that actually have, over half, that actually have a pastoral care worker, a representative of the local churches in their school community. So it's just so exciting to see that and to see that growing. And what we're finding is that principals are saying, can you send me someone? (laughs) 
We've heard the reputation of this, this caring person in our school. Can you send me someone? More and more schools. Just in the last three months, we've had 30 more schools jump on board. So it's a really, really exciting time. As well as chaplaincy, uh, there's a great deal of professional development and personal development that happens behind the scenes, which is really, really great. The weight that the chaplains are carrying is, is very, very heavy. And so just to get around them and wrap around support has been really, really fantastic and to um, upskill and train those who are going into the schools. And we also have, you may not know, chaplaincy to principals is a part of what we, um, what we do as a group, which is great, so, especially in the rural areas. So many principals who are just out there doing it tough on their own that really just want someone to, to talk with, to converse with, to unload with, um, which is great. Another brand new program, hot off the press, uh, that we are beginning is called um, uh, a good grad program. So what we're finding is that young teachers... Uh, stepping into schools, and I didn't know this, but about 40% of teachers don't make it past their first year because it is so overwhelming to step into these school communities. There's just so much happening in the school community. So we're always just looking for ways that we can continue to support the local schools. And again, as I said before, just just build those gaps being, um, you know, between the local churches, being able to have access and coming in and blessing and being a light, um, you know, in those environments, which is much needed. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. So uh, in our local community, so we currently only have one pastoral care worker at the moment, which is Nicole at Torrensville. And many of you have heard Nicole come. We've had her come and share a number of times here before. Uh, She's really, really fantastic. Uh, We currently have a vacancy at Lockley's Primary as well. So we're going to talk more about prayer points later. But that is one of the biggest things. As Kel's just said, there are lots and lots of opportunities where there are lots of schools who are looking for people to step into these PCW pastoral care worker roles and we just don't have enough people. And so in our local area, in Lockley's Primary School, they're looking for someone, and we haven't been able to find someone. And so that's a huge uh, prayer point for us to be able to focus on. Um, And then there are some ongoing conversations as well. So there's a couple of other schools in our area who are kind of interested in it and finding out a little bit more, and so that's something we'd love you to be praying for too. Um, But we have the privilege of being able to support them and to be able to hear the stories that are happening and pray for them, uh, as well as being able to provide practical needs uh, for the work that they're doing in the local schools, which is great. So Gail, why don't you tell us a little bit about school seminars and uh, what that looks like and your role there? Yes. Um, can I just say, though, on PCWs, Lynn, if you want to wave your hand, Lynn's daughter, Joanne Thompson, yes. is a PCW at Allenby Gardens. That's right. Yes. And, um, the, which is one of the schools that we have been doing Christian option programs and Easter and Christmas seminars. So um, just chat to <laughs> Lynn yeah. any time. Um, so... As Nate mentioned, we have two aspects to our school's ministry that um, myself and a bunch of volunteers from other churches operate in the schools. One is we do the Easter and Christmas seminars, which is just an upfront, you know, whole school assembly presentation, which is multimedia, goes for 25 minutes, and there's a core group of five of us from four different denominations, you know, Gay Turl and many of you. Um, anyway, from different churches, and Rob has been on board the last few years, and we actually write and create those Easter and Christmas programs. So that's totally a local church initiative. Um, and we're in. We had eight schools booked in for just Easter, just gone: Fulham Gardens, Fulham North, Lockleys, Lockleys North, um, Torrensville, Allenby Gardens. Richmond and West Beach, that might be, oh, I think I've got them all. 
and Grange Primary School, that's right, um, and Henley. Um, it's <laughs> a lot. <laughs> so, um, and then COVID went nuts and we got into three because five had to cancel. So that's, and last year we were in our final dress rehearsal for Easter and all the schools closed so it didn't happen anywhere. So yeah, COVID is responsible for <laughs> messing up a lot. Mm -hmm. But anyway, the point is it's exciting that schools are still uh, inviting us in and having us booked in and they're hoping some that haven't done um, these programs are hoping to get in for Christmas. So we live in hope and faith. Um, the other aspect to our ministry, which is um, the Christian Option Program, um, it, it's in the classroom with the students in the classroom, with the teacher present, and a team of five of us go in. I'm a team leader for just two of the schools, of which have actually both cancelled. <laughs> but... Um, we, do, we usually do five schools of these in-class in sessions where we uh, do a, a lesson a week for three weeks, um, which is a um, multifaceted program. Um, this year we're looking at the theme of friendship and it, a typical program would have um, um, video clips, drama, skits. You'll see a photo of a skit. Oh, I forgot to have... Um, photos up. I'm probably going through them, have we? Oh, have we? we? Go back? Oh. There we go. Oh, yeah. Oh. yeah, so that's uh, one of the presentations, obviously, for Christmas. If you look at the backdrop that a 70-year-old lady from Grange Baptist painted for us. Um, um, so, yeah, we have, um, we have different... Uh, that's um, obviously another Christmas program. Rob in action there. That was... That was our quiz. That's our team up the top left. Um, so there's a core of five of us who write those programs, but we drag in other volunteers from wherever we can find them. You'll see Gay Turlin up the top. That's um, <laughs> that's more of the Easter. That was this this year's Easter program um, with not quite so many kids in a smaller school, and that's the Christian Option program. Just a skit that. We work in small groups with the kids. The kids actually get to... Um, that was the program for heroes. You might be able to guess by looking at Superman <laughs> there. Um, so, yeah, the, the leaders do yeah, have humorous humour involved in the program and um, we do skits and encourage the kids. Uh, but the kids, uh, all, in every program we do in the Christian Option in-class program, it, the kids all get a gospel. One year it's Mark, one year it's Luke, and one year it's, um, this year is John, I think. Um, and we do three different programs, one on friends, friendship, friends to the end, looking at Jesus and his friendships, looking at Peter's denial of Jesus, that kind of topic, and forgiveness, obviously. And then uh, we look at heroes, um, Jesus being our best hero, we look at beliefs and values. And in all of them, the team members will give a personal story about their, their actual faith in God. Um, and uh, there's small group discussions and mentoring in, in, in small groups as well as large group discussions and debates and everything. So that just gives you a bit of an overall idea of um, the school program.
in these in-class Christian option programs are um, obviously an opt-in or opt-out, depending on which way the school goes. But we've had Muslim kids do it and take the free literature that's offered to them, which is New Testaments um, and stuff about knowing Jesus. There's also um, kids are given a contact list uh, of all the local ch churches that are in the area near their school and so that they can follow up and if they want to. Uh, and we always give kids, there's always question boxes in the classroom so kids can ask questions anytime anonymously if they want to. So kids can have their questions addressed. And I actually have, I don't know whether I was going to do this now, you can ask another question. Sure, no, that's all right. But let me just do it now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so some of the um, questions that kids have asked, what is the meaning of life? Answer that one quickly. <laughs> Why did people want to crucify Jesus after he, he helped so much? How is G God Jesus' father? How did Jesus get his powers? That's just a few. I mean, we hand out um, booklets. We come back in the fourth week with a booklet of all the class's questions and our answers. And we're obviously promoting who Jesus is, who God is, who the Holy Spirit is, um, how we can know God, and we're not pushing any church in particular. We're just taking the main tenets of the Christian faith and helping children to know who Jesus is and what a difference he can make in our lives. So um, does that help? That's great. Yes, thank um, you. Just a quick... We always get feedback from the kids in the classes as well as the teachers. They all write feedback for us. So a Year 7 teacher at Alamy Gardens said, I appreciate you coming in, building relationships with me and the kids and for running an interactive and interesting Christian Option program. Um, a student in Year 7 said, uh, really interesting and fun to learn about Jesus, God and Christianity. Someone else said, nothing to improve on apart from more lessons. Uh, one teacher at Allenby always wants us to do five weeks, not just three weeks. Um, I went from not believing... Oh, this is another student um, in year five and six. I went from believing in, Je in not believing in Jesus sorry, to acting in plays and watching clips about him. Thanks so much. And another... Lots of kids just say it's very fun and we were always involved and it's awesome and it's great and it's... Etc. So kids really get into it. You might be surprised to hear mm. how these kids who most have not heard about Jesus or certainly other than just as a swear word in the playground, um, they really get into the Bible. I forgot to say that the students actually dress up and act out Bible stories in every program in the second week. The whole session is devoted to researching one of Jesus' messages and then acting it out in front of their classmates, which is always their favourite thing. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. So, Kel, why don't you share a little bit more about some of the stories coming out of our pastoral care workers as well? So what sorts of things are they involved in and practically what's that look like? And, yeah. Uh, yeah, some encouraging stories there. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll give you the, I'll, I'll give you the official, uh, I guess, <laughs> dimensions of what a chaplain does and then I'll just share my version of it. <laughs> um, and... Uh, yeah, oh, it's just so exciting, isn't it? Just to see the opportunity that is there and the hunger that is there um, in our schools for people to come in and, and share hope and share truth and share love. 
which is what Jesus is all about. So it's amazing. So what we say are the six dimensions of chaplaincy that our pastoral care workers um, take hold of in different forms. Uh, every pastoral care worker is unique and every school is unique. So it's beautiful to see the fit that happens and that's just the God factor, the fit that happens with the right person in the right school at the right time. And the dimensions uh, that you know, they kind of step into, one is role modelling, just a person being in the school to role model, to be a great mentor, to be a positive person is a huge part of the role itself. Social and emotional support, my goodness, do our young people need that, as do our teachers. Just that supportive person who can have some, you know, really healthy conversations with our young people. Uh, a lot of dysregulated young people in the schools that just need that extra little bit of help to, um, to click into their learning, that extra little bit of a listening ear to even be able to start the day in a classroom. That's a huge part of it. School um, and spiritual, I guess, support within the school. So, again, that's where hope and truth and love and those really important values come through. Community engagement, so the pastoral care worker will make links and connections um, all across our community, which is fantastic. And uh, a lot of extracurricular involvement in there as well, which is great opportunities to build connections with, with young people. Well, what I kind of, uh, maybe it sounds a little bit crude, but what I see these heroes, and they are my heroes, I get to have coffee with them. It's pretty much my job description, <laughs> have coffee with the pastoral care workers, and they're absolutely my heroes. What they are carrying is, is just incredible um, on the daily. Uh, they're gap fillers and they're bridge builders. And as crude as that might sound, you think about, you know, a gap that might, you know, form in a wall or, say, in a dam wall, for example, just to make it dramatic. The littlest gap that is there. If there's not someone there to fill that gap, what happens to that wall? It cracks further and it grows larger and there's catastrophe on the other side. The structure of that wall is compromised. The pastoral care worker is an available person that can go in and find some of those gaps and fill some of those gaps where there are needs for the young people to be cared for for the teachers to be cared for. If you're a teacher in this room or know any teacher, you would know the kind of pressure that they've been under, particularly you know, in the last um, 18 months or so. It's incredible. And so they are able to step into those places that maybe others in the school community don't have time for. Fill the gap, be that listening ear. Fill that gap of loneliness. Fill that gap of conversations with what's going on around me, with depression, with anxiety, um, where there's family breakdowns. So many areas that they can just step into. And I say building bridges as well because it's just this beautiful picture, I think. What does a bridge do? A bridge allows you know, people to get from one side to the other side that maybe wasn't possible before. Or at least it makes it easier for someone to get from one side to the other side. And just building that bridge of hope, you know, allowing these young people to, to look up and to look around, to dream again, to look at the purpose of their own life, to look at the value in their own life. To, to get alongside, to walk over difficult journeys, to walk with a young person perhaps through grief, perhaps through family breakdown, so many areas, so many practical areas, um, which is just really exciting. So uh, Nicole was up there before, obviously. She just is incredible in the way that she gets alongside practically and spiritually these young people. She really, really is. And previously you would have known Celeste was at Lockleys um, for, for a good six years. And it's the listening ear, it's the time that they have. It's in some of the stories Nicole tells me, even about a young person who didn't have bathers. She didn't have bathers, and so she couldn't go to the school excursion. The most smallest practical gift that she could give 
this young person in the family was to source a pair of bathers that she could feel comfortable in and all of a sudden she's included in that school excursion. They made a way, included, valued, a part of that community, which may seem like the smallest moment, but that moment was a step ahead for her to continue to be a value part and to feel connected to her peers and the people around. I know Nicole even does a lot in terms of finding shoes for young people, you know, good solid shoes for them so they're not embarrassed about the holes in their shoes. So, so many practical ways as well as just those every day being there for them and, um, and being a friend and being a true listening ear. It's quite incredible. Mm. That's great. Thanks. So, Gail, why don't you uh, talk to us about the ways in which the school seminars complement the work of PCW. So, how does it kind of all fit together in your mind? Um, Yeah, so the PCWs are welcome and usually they come and sit in. So, we try to schedule the days that we go into the school to be days when there's PCWs there, which can't always happen. But when, when they are, the PCWs come in and sit in on our program so that they just can go from group to group, listen to the children, they can, they can have some feedback themselves, but mostly they just get to hear all the discussions and see how the kids and the staff uh, respond to the program, know the content of the program, and then that is often a springboard for them to be asking uh, questions to further dig into the spiritual stuff that they've been looking at about Jesus and what Jesus has done in that program or the personal stories that leaders shared. Because I, I think, you know, I don't know about you guys, but a lot of people think you can't say anything about your faith in a, in a public school in this day and age, which is just not true. You're, you can still talk about what you believe. You just can't tell the other person that's what you have to believe. But you are still free to share your beliefs and values. And um, so it's just a springboard for the, for the PCWs to con- carry on conversations with the kids. Um, we always give them all the feedback and the material that, that we get from the kids and teachers. Um, often they're the ones who liaise between us and the, and the school staff to organise the programs. Um, but, yeah, mainly just being in the program and hearing what we're covering so that they can have it as a springboard for further conversations. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. So if people are interested in getting more involved, so you'll obviously be around afterwards, so if people want to chat with you or if they want to follow up later, what are some practical ways in which people can be involved and how can we be praying uh, for both the work of the PCWs and also for the school seminars? So practical help and prayer points. So much. <laughs> so much, but so much, uh, so many simple things. Uh, so many simple, attainable things. I, um, if I can just share a really quick story. Just last week, I was looking on Marketplace Facebook and I was looking for a cross trainer uh, to get nice and fit as we do at wintertime. It's time to get fit. And I found this you know, cross trainer, it was in my local area, and I messaged, is this available? And a few days later, I had a message come back. I'm sorry I haven't responded to you. I have COVID at the moment. I'll get back to you about the sale of this cross trainer uh, down the track. And I, I wrote back and I said, I'm, I'm so sorry that you're unwell. Uh, I experienced, you know, COVID a month ago. I, I know what it's, what it's like. And look, I'm local to you. This is all in message. I'm local to you. If you need anything, 
if you need some soup, and I'm listing off the things that I, that I enjoyed when I was struck with COVID, if you need some soup, uh, maybe a good book to read, uh, some chocolate, all the essentials, if you need anything, I'm local to you. Just, I know I'm a stranger, but just let me know. Just let me know. I'd be more than happy to do that. Oh, my goodness, the message that I got back. I won't read it out to you because it is lengthy. And the message essentially that I got back was, you have just restored my faith in humanity. Mm. And I thought, doesn't the light shine the brightest in the darkest times? It was such a simple act. Would you like some soup? I have some books. Do you want some chocolate? And it was overwhelming, the response. And she ended it with, God bless you. (laughs) Just this connection that she made from just the practicality of showing someone that they're valued, that they're cared for, that we're seen. And I think part of the power of of chaplaincy and the chaplains going in as a representation of their local church is that it says the local churches see you and they care for you and that we are praying for you. So to pray for our schools, to pray for our chaplains and to really just stop and ask ourselves, Lord, is there something that you would have for me to look up, to look out of our own busy worlds and to look up and out and ask Ask that question as we're praying. What is it that I could give? Maybe it's, you know, a morning tea to send into the schools. Uh, Maybe it's, you know, dropping off some flowers to say thank you to the teachers. Maybe it's providing some shoes for for the young people. Certainly it's praying for our communities, absolutely. But let's never uh, despise the small things because our light can truly, as a Christian community, shine so bright when we are simply saying to our schools, to our kids, to our parents... We see you, we love you, you are valued. Mm. So, you know, there's a hundred ways we could brainstorm about that and how we can just practically be the hands and feet in loving our community around us. And I think it's just praying, Lord, help our eyes be up. Help our eyes be up around us. That's great. Mm. Thanks. Go. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, mic's still on. Um, prayer for the schools that work that we do is, I would think, would be prayer for open doors to continue, you know, and for the schools, the staff and the students to find favour with the program because it's it's been written by, particularly the Christian... Well, they're all written by Christians and the Christian Option Program in class is written by educators, teachers, and it's really relevant and teachers really love the program. So... Um, Sometimes, like in in a local school this year, the principal loved it, the the PCW loved it, and they were all ready. They already booked it in, and then the board cancelled it. So we really need prayer for you know. You can just have one negative voice in a in a school board or school council meeting, and you know it can just come all tumbling down. So. We really need prayer for that behind the scenes for God to be moving on our behalf, obviously. Um, but, yeah, practical, practical help. Um, anybody who's... Oh, and on the other prayer point, obviously, uh, we're doing a Christian Option program in August at Fulham Gardens. And so prayer for us on the team and for the students. Um, I'll give prayer points closer to that time, but uh, obviously... A more specific prayer during programs is essential. Um, the practical ways people can help for the for the Easter and Christmas and Christian Option programs is a you could become a volunteer and join the team, which requires some training from Scripture Union, um, police checks, mandatory reporting, all that stuff. 
but it's not all hard these days. Um, um, often for the Christmas programs, uni students have finished uni, uh, so we love having young people get on board um, or, or people that are part-time and have day times available for school's work. Uh, also just um, practical people who can sew or do backdrops. I usually do all the sewing and do the backdrops, but I'd love anyone who's creative to <laughs> jo let me know that they're interested in, in helping. Like that 70-year-old lady who could paint amazing backdrops. Awesome. So, you know, there's practical ways as well that people can get on board um, as well. Yeah, That's great. So let's take some time and pray for you and for the work that you do. But thank you for sharing with us this morning. We really appreciate it. So let's pray. Jesus, we are so grateful for these amazing representatives uh, that we know do have the opportunity, as Kel said, to shine a light into uh, our schools, which especially at the moment are a dark place in lots and lots of ways as uh, staff wrestle with all of the realities about COVID and all the challenges that are a part of that, uh, as kids wrestle with all the things that they're wrestling with today, uh, as they wrestle with their family challenges, as they wrestle with identity challenges, um, and as they try and navigate through all the uncertainty that's there, we know that there are amazing opportunities to be able to shine your light in very simple and practical ways. And so we're grateful for uh, the people who are represented by these two amazing people. Uh, our pastoral care workers who are there week in, week out, spending time building relationships with principals, with staff, with students and with families as well. Uh, but also for these teams that go in uh, at Christmas, at Easter and then for the Christian Option programs uh, to be able to help kids to discover what we know uh, as your message. And so our prayer is that you would continue to open doors, that you would continue to give us opportunities uh, to be able to be in the right place at the right time and to be able to help kids to be able to discover just how staggering it is, what we talked about earlier, that truth of the enoughness of you, Jesus, that can then shape their identity for the rest of their lives. Uh, and for teachers, for staff, for support staff, uh, for principals and vice-principals as they work through what their enoughness looks like as well, uh, we pray that you would continue to do the work that only you can do in people's lives. But we thank you that you choose to use us as the partners who go in and provide uh, that practical help. And uh, so for us as a church, we pray that you would continue uh, to challenge us and inspire us about what it looks like to be able to get involved, whether that is as simple as taking some time to pray on a regular basis for the work that's happening, uh, but that you would give us great ideas about the ways in which we can uh, connect with and serve the teams that are involved uh, and practical ways that we can then have an impact uh, as you open doors around us. So we thank you for what we've been able to be encouraged about as we've heard these things today. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you both. Thank you very much. And uh, you'll be pleased to know I'm not now going to give you a 20-minute message or anything like that. So, but Kel is just going to share briefly, uh, just to wrap things up, about what it looks like for us to be able to... Sure. Uh, <laughs> to be able to... Well, you can come up here if you like. But to be able to... Yeah, what it means for us to serve our local communities the way that Jesus calls us to. And then Roger's going to come and lead us around the community table. been given five minutes but I've given myself two because then I won't talk too long <laughs> uh, I just yeah thank you so much what a beautiful church what a beautiful community and I guess just to wrap things up uh, what was really on my heart was an incredible scripture um, in John that says these really incredible words 
Uh, This is Jesus speaking. You didn't choose me, I chose you. And I've just had those words echoing uh, for the last few weeks just over my mind and I've been amazed by it, absolutely amazed by it. Jesus, Jesus says these words. Jesus, you didn't choose me, I chose you. We are chosen by Jesus himself. And it's such a beautiful revelation and it's the kind of revelation that can change uh, every day. It can change the way we get up in the morning. It can change our entire outlook when we hold on to that revelation. I was listening to a Christian speaker and uh, he said this um, incredible thought. Uh, He said, if we have lost sight of where we have come from, it's possible to forget where we are going. And I just, you know, reflect on this incredible book and the story of the kingdom of God, the story from Genesis where he created us in his image, the story of us totally, completely simplifying the story in 30 seconds, but the story of us uh, needing God so desperately, being made in his image and then thinking we've got it together and pushing away and, oh, no, we've got this God, and God goes, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then desperately saying, we need you, God, and God's like, yeah, you do, and back he comes and we're open to him, and then, oh, no, we've got it now, God, and we push him away and we pull him and we push him away and we pull him close, a little bit like what my toddler does to me. And it's this incredible kingdom story of redemption from beginning to end. And we are woven into this story now. You know, from Old Testament through the promise of Jesus, Jesus enters, Jesus sacrifices it all, this beautiful Jesus, full of grace, full of truth, full of life, full of hope, full of love, full of forgiveness, full of redemption, then says to us here right now, right today, I choose you. He chooses us, first of all, to be loved by him. And then he chooses us to love others. What a privilege. What an honour. He chooses us to carry the kingdom within us out to our community. Just a beautiful, beautiful verse in Matthew. uh, Just talks about this. I'll just read a tiny little bit from Matthew 13, 33. Jesus uses this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. And I'm amazed by that. I'm amazed that a little bit of the kingdom in me is like that. Sometimes, in fact, most of the time, if not all the time, I don't feel equipped to be able to make any ounce of difference when you watch the news, when you see what's going on around the world, when I talk to my own family members, my own church community, I can be so overwhelmed by the need and I wonder where on earth do we start? But that simple verse shows me that if Jesus has chosen me to carry the kingdom, I can rest and trust that the kingdom will do its work. Jesus will do that work in my everyday living, in my everyday life, if I could just be loved by him and be overwhelmed by the revelation and the truth of who he is in and through me. It's just so incredible. It's just so beautiful. It's way too simple. But may we never graduate from the simplicity of the gospel, hey? May we keep the gospel at its simplicity all the way through. He has chosen us to 
be loved by him first and then love the community around us to be kingdom carriers. He has woven us into the redemptive story that started so many years ago and his work isn't finished. There is light to shine in this place. Do you know, I was uh, in my years as a chaplain, which was at the detention centre, I was privileged to be there for around about four years and I remember this one conversation with a young girl and uh, we were just having a bit of a chat at the detention centre. This is when we were up at McGill. Uh, that's since been knocked down now, that McGill detention centre. And I remember, you know, the days where I'd walk in and the concrete and the coldness and the barbed wire and the codes and the swiping and the security. And, you know, you walk in through this very cold, cold place and you see these beautiful young people who are at rock bottom in their life, really. I mean, you're 12 years old and you're incarcerated. That's a big deal. That's, in my opinion, hitting rock bottom in your life way too early. Way, way, way too early. And so I remember sitting with this uh, young girl, 12, 13, maybe 14 years old. And when she came into the centre, she literally came in with a bag on her back and that was all of her possessions. There was, uh, you know, half a carton of cigarettes in there and this um, old bag and not much else. She really didn't have a lot. And she said to me one day, Kel, what I've always wanted... What I've always wanted, and my mind jumps ahead. It's a bad habit, but it does. My mind jumps ahead and I'm like, oh, she could say anything right now. This young person who had nothing could have said anything. What I've always wanted is, you know, just a wardrobe full of the latest clothes. That would be great. Or what I've always wanted is if I could just have the new iPhone, that would just be so sweet. That would be great. I could have all the clear pictures and all the internet acts. That would be so good. Or all I've ever really wanted is fame. Oh, I just want to be famous. You know, this, this is a 12-year-old. These are the things that 12-year-olds, you know, are craving for, right? But this young girl taught me something, and I'll never forget it. At 12 years old, she taught me a massive lesson. She said, Kel, all I've ever really wanted is a good friend and a real family. She knew at rock bottom in her life what was most important. We know what's most important. Being known, being seen, having value, not being known for the mistakes we've made, not being seen or measured up by the world standards, but being loved. And oh, how we can carry that when we know the love of Jesus and when we fall in love with him and when we remember the simplicity of what it is to run into his arms, we carry that and we can pass that on every day, every day. We can pass on that love. We can see people. We can acknowledge people. We can pray for people. We can look people in the eye. I see you. I know you. We can create family. Oh, how I love this. Jesus-centred, spiritual family, we can say, you are welcome in this family. Come, be a part of the family. What a privilege, hey? What a privilege. It's so simple, but it's life-changing. And so I'm just going to finish with this incredible verse in Romans 12. It says this, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you, not in our own strength. Here's what I want you to do. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating and going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing, first of all, 
what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognise what he wants from you and quickly respond. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you. Doesn't God bring out the best in us? Doesn't God bring out the best in those that we do life with? So let me pray. I just want to thank you, Jesus, for your truth. I want to thank you that you have a plan. You've always had a plan. And I thank you that we can rest in your plan. We can trust your plan. And Lord, I thank you for the absolute privilege it is that you chose us to be a part of the redemptive story of this world until your kingdom finally comes in all its fullness and it's all, all its glory and in all its power. Thank you that we can carry you, that we can carry your kingdom truth with us wherever we go. And Father God, may we just start each of our days in surrender to you, in surrender to your love for us, and in surrender for your plans and purposes. What an honour it is to know you, Lord God. We love you. We love you. We love you. Amen.